Well, morning, everybody. Might get a bit raw this morning because of that, that very work. Uh, I said to Anne while we are singing, so just remind me again why I chose this song. Because <laughs> it might start something again in here. <coughs> Don't do that. Sorry. So, you know, it doesn't matter how beautiful, how full, how rich, how fantastic the grape is. You want a bottle or something? Something has to happen to the grape. So we need to understand that there's something that goes with getting the wine. And none of us are devoid of what God is doing and how he does it. You know, there's been such, I really have seen such a beautiful synergy between the word that's been coming in the mornings and the word that's been delivered at banquet as we talk about the, the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. That one wasn't me. <laughs> the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. Because the work, we've heard a word that's being delivered about the sword of God, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, the word of God that's a penetrating word, that's to pierce into our very innermost being, into our inner man. We've heard about whether we can hear that with our ears and associate ourselves with this or eat of it, digest it, have it formed within us, do the processes within us that we partake of this word and we find that the the attitudes, the be attitudes, become our attitudes. Just like when I eat an apple, I don't know, maybe some scientist does, but I don't know how the makeup of this apple turns into a toenail. <laughs> you eat it, somehow it does. I don't know the physical way in which it happens, if you like, or the spiritual way, in that eating and partaking of Christ himself forms his very nature in me and his attitudes come from me. That's the spirit at work. It's a mystery, just like the apple is a mystery. It's a mystery of God being revealed. So that when he says to us in Philippians, he says, you know, that your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ is not something that can't be. It's something that is destined to be that our attitudes would be the same as him, who having laid down his own life, laid it aside in order for us to actually enter into the very life that he has. So our attitudes will be the same as he, and we will be carriers of be attitudes. Now just this, this message, you know, I, I, I had a foolish moment at the start of the year and I said, Lord, I really want my continuing walk with you to be authentic. And he hears those prayers. And he says, well, that's great, son. Let's keep working. <laughs> Let's keep walking. And I'll reveal 
how this works, how I do what I do. And as I say, you know, you can have the grape, but if you want the wine, there's a process that happens in between. And this week, this has been made very real to me. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been cheering with Greg and uh, meet with Greg and Sam during the weeks, and it's just beautiful richness of dialoguing and eating and discipling with each other. And so, look, you know, there's, there's a verse that God's speaking to me about, and, and I just, it's burning within me, and I, and I sense this in my own life. It's something that's happening with and to and in and through me. But I know it's for everyone. And as I've been processing and walking with the Lord through this, he's been um, peeling the layers back, if you like, and showing me how this is to be and how this um, outworks in our life. And Chris had a, a beautiful imagery this morning, although I'm not so, too sure that it's Christ who's got the pitchfork, but anyway... <laughs> A winnowing, a winnowing fork, of a fork, you know, and the, the, to get the wheat, you've got to throw the, the whole thing up in the air and the wind blows and the seeds separate from the chaff. But, oh, I just want the actual seeds, thanks. Or can we skip that process? Maybe not. So over this, this last couple of weeks, we've been going through some situations that have been very, very real and very, very much the process in between this grape and this bottle of new wine that has pressed right into the very core and very heart of me, to the very inner man to reveal so that truth and the inner part and wisdom in the inmost place is formed within me and not just words on the screen that I can sing and say, those words are true. It says, but I'm making them true in you, Paul. And in this time, there's been a, a truly divine work of God and the outworking of a much better covenant that's been made with us than was previously made, which held and kept people for a time such as this that would come now where we would be partakers of the divine nature of God. And the very greater promise that has brought us into much greater light is the hope of glory in me, no longer external and trying to achieve external actions that could never, as we were praying, could never achieve the very thing that needs to achieve, which is a clean heart. I was singing during the week, you know, David, under his full conviction, says, Lord, renew a right spirit with me, in me. Take not your spirit from me. Clean me, cleanse me. Why would he pray, take not your spirit from me? Why pray that prayer? He had seen that happen to Saul. But for us, it's a much better covenant. It's a new and living way. He promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when we go through different stages and different places in our, in our walk, David, who we look and goes, it's marvelous. Look at this guy. Oh, there's a few slip-ups here and there, and some of those are pretty disastrous. But look at this man, he's held up. 
There's a time when David has to act like he's lost his mind, like a lunatic, to keep himself from getting killed. Hang on, this is David. Literally, acting like a lunatic. Oh, what a humbling place to be. What a humbling place to be. Because something is still being formed in him for him to understand. I thought other, some other things for, for David. His son, who he loved Absalom, his son rises up against him. And yet his David stays true to seek after God, to find the truth of a father God and not turn from God because of other actions and other things that are happening around him. And I was meditating on what we want to talk about, about this word of prophecy. When you, when you hear the word prophecy, what is it that you think of? I think if I'm honest, and I think honest with most of us, we would think of perhaps prophets who would bring a prophetic word. There may be big picture words that come and talk about this is going to happen or God is doing this in the, in the world. And he's given different stages of, of speaking about how God's outlining his big plan. We may think of Old Testament prophets who are declaring the coming of the Messiah and some very huge steps that's going to happen throughout history. Or we might think of the New Testament prophets that speak and reveal of what's happening in heaven and what's going to happen on earth. We may think of a prophetic word that's being given to you individually. I, I see you as a musician. Oh, no, that's not prophecy. That's actually happening. <laughs> you know, and, and there's, a, there's a, a particular word Amy, that you know, I see God's working in your heart and the gift that he's given you and the skills that he's given you, not just to play instruments. But Amy, I give you my spirit to touch people's hearts with music, that you will lead them to me. I want to build within you greater capacity of me. And so the word of, a, of an encouraging word, an exhorting word comes to us and we might think of prophecy in, in the light of this, which, which these things are all true, they're all, they're all correct. But there's a, something that's a, it's much greater, I think, that covers over all of this, that's for us to all to see, to hear, to discover, lest we miss the very heart of what he's doing. Now, thinking of Job, uh, I'm not too sure why, Chris, but you, you made me think of Job. <laughs> Maybe it's the no here part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, for those who, who don't know of Job's story, he, right at the very beginning, says, God, God says he's a righteous man. So God's declaring the state that Job's in. Satan rocks up and says, yeah, but only because you've got your hand over him. And then God allows permission for the enemy to do a work on Job. You know, the devil is a pawn that God uses. He's not God's equal. It's not a battle like this. The king's heart is in the Lord's hand and he directs it as a watercourse.
So God allows this process. So while Satan might do a work on Job, God is doing a work in Job. And he has to walk this walk. Mm. Job loses seven sons, three daughters. All his worldly goods stripped from him. Eventually, even his physical health is broken down in illness. He has a very loving and caring, supporting wife. Go and read. <laughs> but it gets right to the end. He has advisors that come and help him. But right at the end in Job 42, Job declares, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared, I have declared that which I didn't understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak and I'll ask you and you will instruct me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and repent in dust and ashes. Here's Job, this righteous man that hears with his ears and has this understanding and this knowledge of God, and it's surely it is about, it's this, because he has this understanding. Even though the outworking, it was said of of Job, that that which he feared came upon him. He used to take sacrifices and offer them for his children in case his children slipped up and God's wrath would be poured on them. God's doing a work in his heart for him to realise. When he says that word retract, I retract means he amounts to this much. Zero. Realising his own state before God. I spoke of things that were too lofty for me. How could I do that? I need to bow myself, humble myself before God, submit to you, repent, and allow you, Lord, to do the work in, in me. It's interesting, after that, God then goes and rebukes his advisors, Job's advisors. And then it says, after Job prayed for them, God restores back to Job. Double. Yes. Another seven sons and three daughters, and then double all his livestock. And I heard once, and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, hopeful those who may have experienced this. He says, I'll give you double. He started with seven sons and three daughters. They are taken away. At the end, he gets double. He gets seven sons and three daughters. And the question was, how come he didn't get 14 and 6? It's because the first seven and the first three are still alive. They're with the Father. And so those who walk righteously with God, who are in Christ, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and I won't take my spirit from you. So there was a great hope, and as I was reading that, I was saying, Lord, this is, this is amazing, that the, the place we need to get to is that place of humility before you so that we're able to now receive from you. So turn with me if you would. There's a good preachy type word. Turn with me if you would to 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. 20. I've never seen anyone turn in their Bible yet, but anyway, we'll keep saying it. <laughs> so 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, verses 19 to 20, or 19 and 20. As um, I was speaking before about this prophecy, a prophetic word, and understanding when a prophetic word comes, so that we can make sure this prophetic word in us more sured by the outworking inside of us. But if we don't understand what this is saying, we can very easily do what this is asking us not to do, or instructing us not to do. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. It's really important that we understand what prophetic utterances are. They're not just, as I described earlier, these big uh, um, prophetic words or an individual prophetic word or a prophetic word that exhorts and lifts and builds up. But the prophetic word is the word of God being delivered Christ himself being delivered to us, being spoken out. And I'm not just saying somebody articulating scripture that's written down. When the word comes in power because the spirit is being revealed within a man and he's speaking from a revealed posture, then the spirit is speaking spirit to spirit and the word of God becomes the work of God that is being given to us. But when I read this, I thought, wow, what, what an amazing um, uh, uh, strength that you would say that we have because if this is um, a work of the Spirit of God he's telling me don't quench it that would mean I could so the word, this, this word that's going out it's the, the word of God it's the Spirit going speaking Spirit to Spirit as deep cries out to deep the spirit of the Father is speaking to my spirit. It's the fire of God. I loved it. I can't remember who it was that was speaking about it. And we think fire as being the devil's, not fire as God's. It's the power of God being made manifest. And it's there to burn within me and to burn up what is dross, what is wood, hay, and stubble, so that this doesn't remain. So what is found within is gold and silver, is, is the true nature of God formed within me, Christ himself, which is the only thing I'll have left to offer him, is Christ formed in me. To hear those words then say, well done, good and faithful servant, that is your inheritance. It's a work you've allowed me to, to do that in. So when the fire of God is working within me, and believe me, when the fire of God is working within you, you know then he says, don't quench it. It uses the word translation as quench is good because it talks about it's a, it's a putting out of a fire. So when prophetic utterances come, let us not be people who would quench the very work that God is doing in our, in our lives. Having told everyone else to turn now, I'd better turn there myself. It's interesting too, I, I was reading how um, the instructions go on earlier on. He says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of the work. Live in peace with each other. And I want to I say those. I originally I didn't have that to, 
to speak to you, but I really wanted to to bring that out and to um, encourage us all. I, I, I know this because I've had to walk this and would sit and hear a word and hear a word coming from Greg or from Sam or Sandra or, or Chris or whoever was speaking and going, oh, yeah, that's, that's, yes, that's a very good word. That's a powerful word. Yes, yes, very good. But not actually be in a... It's a posture that Job was in, in a humble posture before God, to actually recognize the work of the Spirit that is being outworked within the person delivering the word, so that the very revelation that is formed within them becomes a gift that's now given and shared out so that I can receive it. And it becomes a prophetic utterance to me and to you. But if I don't recognize it what, because it didn't fit my understanding of what prophecy is, and I think that, well, that's not a prophetic word, I actually begin to quench the very thing that the Lord is doing in each one of us right now. We just have a quick jump ahead to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I find now that I'm referring to my Bible if I haven't printed it out on here because the print's so much smaller in the Bible. And I can't do that. (laughs) So Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And it's beautiful, isn't it? That it says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is revealing Christ to us. It says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Again, these are great words. He's painting a picture for us to see. He gives us the, the opportunity to not open the door. So he says, I'm standing at the door of your heart. The handle's on the inside. Please be aware, he can kick any door down. (laughs) But what I need to do in you will only happen when you open the door. So when we hear a word that's been spoken, we hear the word of a, of a sword that's penetrating to us, we hear the word that's speaking of a, of a um, divine nature or of a divine work to come, and it's the word of the cross to be working in my life. We hear a word that speaks not of association with gospel, but participation of the gospel, that I hear that as a prophetic word that's knocking on the door of my heart. He's asking me, open the door of your heart, let me come in. I will come in and sit with you and sup with you. I think I've said it before, but I know with, um, not YWAM, Amway. Completely different, but anyway. <laughs> One of the key things they were teaching when everybody got involved in it back in the 80s, but um, when they were showing, here's what you do. Don't go to the lounge, go to the dining table. Because when you sit at the dining table, you're family and you'll have open opportunity. And this is what the Lord's saying. I'm going to come in. I'm going to sit with you. So this prophetic word's going to come to you. 
you hear a word, a message, come open the door with me, sit with me, dialogue with me, talk to me, search me out, let me speak to you. Let the scriptures come alive so it's now no longer scripture, ink on a page, it's the word. The Lord said to me once, he said, Paul, you have a much, much deeper relationship with the ink on the page than you do with me. That's a gulp moment. <laughs> I, well, I've got it. I, I thought I understood us. No, nah, like Job. Mm. You, you ever had God tell you, Paul, where were you when I created the world? Yeah. Did, what was your phone number? Did I give you a call? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wonder how far I've set the boundaries for the ocean. I better check in with Paul. <laughs> yeah. How big's behemoth or leviathan? Oh, how many tons? I better check in with Paul. He told me this. <laughs> that was another gulp moment <laughs> to recognise I knew with my ears, now I see. And you're able to do a work within me because the very nature, the very thing that is in us that must die, that's trying to keep us in place, is pride. And it is so subtle that it dresses itself up as an angel of light. So it looks right, and yet it is not. So he does a deep work of going deep to reveal that to me, and where I'm a place of humility to be able to receive the word that he's given, so I don't quench the Spirit of God. He is so beautiful. He is so powerful and so humble. And so gracious as he waits patiently and walks with us, revealing Christ both to and in us. That I wouldn't want to quench what he is doing. So we hear a word. We hear what he's doing. It's sent forth to accomplish something within us which is a full salvation. Not just that we're saved and covered now by his blood and covered in garments or a garment of righteousness that God has now imputed to us and given us as I take your sin and your iniquity, I take what you have under myself and I give you my righteousness and you're covered. But there's the outworking now of a much greater life that's within us which says now I'm doing this metamorphosis work the transformation of your mind where I establish the kingdom of God within you Jesus came and delivered the message that the kingdom is here and the people were expecting when they were hearing that they were expecting something to take place for them right now isn't that the same for us we want that to happen right now the grapes, the bottle of wine. There's a process in the middle. They wanted to go from grapes to wine. Woohoo! They were hearing the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is at hand, the Romans are defeated, Israel is back on the throne and ruling in a story. But he says, the kingdom of heaven, that, yes. But right now I've got to do a work within you, which is the kingdom of God being formed in you. That's why you can't enter into this until I've formed this in you. You can't enter that. You can't ride a motorbike and drive the car at the same time. 
I want to drive the car. Then you're going to have to get off the motorbike. Don't want to. You cannot drive the car while you're on the motorbike. It's not that you can't get in the car and drive the car. You can't do it while you're on the motorbike. You cannot enter into his life while I'm clinging on to my own and living for my own. No matter how I dress it up, how much I pretty it up, how much I put Jesus' name on it, make me a vessel. Make me whatever I want to be. Oh, that's not how it goes, is it? (laughs) Uh, No, no, I'll sing it right. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever I want to be. Oh, why does that keep coming out? Because there's something that has to happen first. Oh, 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 my God. He's the author and perfecter. He's the author and perfecter of us. So when we're hearing a word that is coming to us and it's a word that's challenging us, I know that everyone that comes and here, the elders were challenged with it continually. Every heart will be revealed. It's your heart I'm after. Will you love me with all your heart? And so he's knocking on the door of our hearts. And if I don't understand it, it's okay that I don't understand. I can't. Job just declared and showed that to me. I need to be willing to submit. Our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, but compared to God, made himself nothing, being made found in human likeness. And I said the other, the other night, you know, it said that God made us in his image and likeness and we did him the same favour by raising myself up to be like God. He says, no, nah, your attitude is to be the same as Christ. From that place, I can do a work within you because what do we have? We have the hope of glory in us that we may now be partakers of the divine nature of God, walk in the same manner as Christ as sons of God. Not waiting, not waiting until we're 95 and ready to shuttle off this mortal coil and go finally reach maturity. It's going to be a continuing maturing process, but he wants us as mature sons, daughters in the kingdom now. That we walk as mature priests in an order of Melchizedek, which is a spiritual order, not a physical order structured around physical things that we can put a box around and go, great, if I stick to the box, I'm fine. Galatians 5.1 says, from freedom that Christ has freed us so we can live as true priestly um, priests and kings ministering in the order of Melchizedek in the same nature that Christ did, and I can live in this freedom. Jesus had to go through the same process. He walked, he was proven, proven to be faithful. He didn't have to have sin worked out of him. He lived his life to prove that sin had no master over him so that his life was now ready to be able to be offered as a clean and spotless lamb, having lived like you and me in this world but did not succumb to sin because he lived a life in the spirit just so that we can as well. 
live by the Spirit. We're no longer alive in ourselves, born again, but born of the Spirit. So there's a greater work that's done in us that overcomes these things that come against us. Things that we might look and go, oh, well, you know, Paul shipwrecked, flogged, whipped, beaten, fighting off wild beasts. My life, I don't have any of that. So maybe I'm, that's not me then. It doesn't have to be that. It's just the way of life. Might be work, might be family, might be health. All these things then start to speak a voice to us that would try and raise itself up higher than God's voice. And when I give power to this voice, I place this voice over God's. And He's revealing to us now that what, what does that? The flesh. And this is a word that's coming to us, it's penetrating to each one's heart, is to understand that we are to live not bound by the constraints of what the flesh is doing, but to live in the freedom to be a partaker of the gospel that sets me free. This has been my experience in the last few short time. And and this this intensity that's pressing pressing and pressing and pressing in point of exhaustion collapsing being graced with such a beautiful, beautiful wife chair and say, sweetheart this is what's happening and to see the prophetic word of God, the prophetic utterance that has been spoken out, being received by different people, by the saints of God, for it's what you are being received into the hearts, being heard with a spiritual ear, being eaten and then being partaken of, then being matured within, and the body able to function as the body of Christ and able to minister as I would reach out to somebody else. Having seen and known this this word that is having been heard a prophetic utterance, the word that's been spoken from here, reaching out, going out to achieve that which is sent forth to accomplish and seeing that being received, being eaten, being digested, being formed and then the very divine nature of God being released in this person to be able to minister together and minister one to another. And we had the privilege of being in that environment a couple of weeks ago. And the same thing's happening. It's the Spirit of God. It's the body of God ministering one to another. Don't you realize that you're all part of the body, one unto another? Left arm, right arm. It's a body. And that we're able, in the Spirit of God, able to minister one to another. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But if the Word of God comes and we quench a prophetic utterance that's speaking to our heart, then the reality of that Word is stopped from being formed within me. Oh, Holy Spirit. So gracious. Wanting to do work in each one of us that draws us into the Father's heart. Revelation 19.10. Do we have that one up? Revelation 19.10. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. 
But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant. This is an angel speaking. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And this is, what I, this is the very thing that I was speaking to you about just now. The testimony of Jesus. Those who hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Those who hold to the work of Jesus Christ being worked within me that has formed a strength and a nature and the wisdom of God in me. I hold to that. This voice, not this voice that would try to raise itself up, but holding to the testimony because I know my God. I know whom I serve. I know his word formed in me. It's not a theory. It's not the words of a song on the screen. It's my life. And I know him. Though this process between the grape and the bottle of wine, he says there's a way. I'm the way. What's that way? That way is like this. And then there's a gate which is like this. So there's a crushing that takes place between the grape and the bottle, which is where the new wine is formed, which needs a new wine skin for the wine to be placed in and the new wine skin, the understanding that this this way is a work of the spirit. It's not a work of the flesh. It's not a place of understanding in my own mind. It's a place of humility the place of knowing that I'm utterly and totally dependent on God for everything. You know, I, I, I was looking at the, um, back in, in Genesis when God speaks to Abraham and he says to Abraham, you are, to Abraham at this stage, your name is no longer Abraham, it is now Abraham. <sighs> Spirit of God. You'll be the father of many. So he becomes the father of faith because he's seen God. He's seen what God is doing. And for those who have the same faith as Abraham are the sons of Abraham because it's of faith, Sarai becomes Sarah. She'll be the mother of many. In fact, and forget the uh, reference. I think it's in Hebrews. It speaks of um, our mother. Your mother is a Jerusalem that is um, of the promise, not of the flesh. Hagar is of the flesh, so it was an action of the flesh that produced Ishmael. It's an action of the spirit and of faith. Isaac and those that flow through from that, the, the promise, the seed of the promise is ours. And this promise, this prophetic utterance, this word that comes to us is the testimony of Jesus Christ. He is the promise of God. He is the seed and all that contains in the seed. You know, it said of, a, um, of, a, of an apple that, oh, well, there's the fruit of that tree, there's one apple. You might look at that apple and say, actually, no, there's thousands of apples because in the apple is the seed and in that seed there are many trees with much fruit. And so the seed, that seed is Jesus Christ himself who is in us to bear much fruit, the fruit of righteousness. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and the life of Christ formed in us. So when we face 
the stuff of life that would be set to crush and destroy us, what Job may have thought is to reveal in us either approving of my faith or a process that's bringing me through the winnowing to get rid of the chaff so that the wheat remains or the new wine is there and that produces the new wine life that is in us. And this is a process that, that I've been walking this last week. And when that sword of the spirit penetrates and pierces to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, it is a sharp sword that's we, is so close together, the soul and the spirit, that we may think it's the same. But the word of God comes and penetrates that. It's the same word, it's the same sword that says that carries out the work of the circumcision of the heart and the reproach of sin is rolled away and gone. Let's not slow that process down. And when the spirit comes and pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit and he's bringing revelation, you know, Paul, what you've hung on to there, you thought was me and was not? I need to reveal to you that it's not. So that the life is formed in you is the work of the Spirit, born again of the Spirit, made alive again in the Spirit. It's a spiritual word understood spiritually. So will you submit to me and allow me to bring that revelation to you? Don't quench the Holy Spirit, Paul. Don't despise a prophetic utterance that is bringing you life. You know, I, I know of a young fella that uh, had, had to be circumcised when he was three, three or four, so somewhat older than what you'd generally want to have that happen. And unfortunately, after they bandaged the little fella up, literally, they... Um, the, the bandage um, got stuck in, in a scab, in a wound of the, as the circumcision was healing. And that had to come off. And so they just said, oh, just soak it. Just soak it in the, in the bath and just pull it off. Do you know how strong a three-year-old is when you're trying to do that? <laughs> it wasn't coming off. <laughs> no way was it coming off. So we had to go to the doctor. And the doctor says, well, there's only one way it's going to come off. Oh, look at the birds. <laughs> Probably wasn't quite that quick either. <laughs> and yet then, when we had this young fellow and it took two of us to have to hold him down while the father put some ointment on that would soothe the sore. Now the very thing that was being done to help this child, the child was resisting the very thing that was going to bring him health. I understand why, but he had no understanding. And I dare say even if you did have understanding, you'd probably be struggling. But the point is that he needed to come to the place of submission. He needed something that was stronger than him to administer something that was going to bring health and life to him. And out of a place of love, we were able to administer 
the very thing that this child needed. And God does the same to us. Let's not be those who are resisting what he's doing to bring a, a life within us, though it may be uncomfortable. And there are times when it may be extremely um, contentious or, or extreme pressure. We must turn to the Lord. We'll turn to him who we know. We would only run from somebody we don't know. But having come to know my heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, Jesus says, our righteous heavenly Father. There's no shadow of turning in him. There's no darkness of God. He's light. Having revealed to me his Father's heart to me, where else can I go? But I'll turn to him and cry out, Father, what will you have me do? I, this sucks big time. And I want to bail. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Because you've done a much greater work than I can see or know right now. And so I remain and continue to lean in and hear a prophetic utterance being spoken to me. I lean in to eat and digest and in a weary place his word comes like a breath of fresh air on a hot day. This week, words that have come, the unsolicited that have been sent to me, and the word that I would read from the Lord that would just be like bathing in his presence. There's a psalm that says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Here's some good news for you. You're the city. So there's a stream that can make you glad. And it flows straight from the Father. And it's Christ himself. And so as a deer pants for water in a dry, barren place, crying out for your life, Lord, as I need to know and understand you, then the stream of God flows through and refreshes. And knowing I need you the same in this desperate place as much as I need you in this place of rejoicing and freedom because you're the same. You remain the same. So just have a just pull up two two Peter one nineteen. And I, I spoke to it just slightly earlier. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And we've asked the question, who do you say I am? Who do you say Greg is? Who do you say Sam, Chris, any of the elders are? Who do you say you are? If you say you're pastor, then I'm pastor to you. If you say, well, you're a technical advisor at the plumber's board, then I'm a technical advisor at the plumber's board to you. 
If you say, I'm your brother, I'm a brother to you. If you say, you're an apostle, then you're an apostle to me. That's why it's so important to be able to hear, to discern, to see who it is and what is being brought to us when we hear the word being spoken on Sunday. You're a deliverer of a word of God for me. And I'm discerning, I'm listening in the spirit to hear when there's a word comes, it comes with a power that's a power delivered from an apostle that's sent to, to break down some mindsets and barriers that, that I may have been putting up that is, that is covered in love bring a word to me to rise me up and to draw me into Christ. When I, I hear a word from a, a gifted teacher who speaks and expounds a word with kinder surprises and gherkins. <laughs> so I never got one, not even a gherkin. <laughs> and, and that I can receive that word as a prophetic utterance that can be made more sure in me if I recognize and receive. If I receive a word that's come so beautifully articulated with a grace gift of love and mercy that expounds the divine nature of God and love, I'd hear a word come from Mel and be able to receive that, not just with ears and hear some wonderful words, but receive the power of the word that's been spoken. And I hear a prophetic message that comes through Chris. And each one having walked and knowing, walking in a journey of discovery of the knowledge of God. Not in the inf- I'm here to give you the information of God. I want to release the knowledge of God, the knowing of him that you can find out as I find out. It's to be made more sure within us. We mustn't think that it's any different for us than it is for, was for Christ. Trials and tribulations were no stranger to him. I think. He was born at a time and in a village where people knew what was going on. You were legitimate. You were born out of wedlock. She was pregnant before you got married. We know that. Who are you? This was some of the stuff that he had to grow up with. But a work of the Spirit being worked in Christ because he's fully man, living by the Spirit. Even at 12, when Mary's crying out, where is he? Where is he? Imagine this word to Mary because it would have pierced her heart. Why were you looking for me there? Didn't you know I was in my father's house? I'm picking that was probably a gulp moment for Mary because she, she knew how she got pregnant. That he was a stranger to his brothers and sisters. They thought he was nuts. They thought he'd lost his mind. Have a look at Mark. He became a stranger to a brethren and an alien unto his mother's children. Sat of Psalms. They, sat, they, they that sit in the gate speak against me and I was the song of drunkards. This is Jesus we're talking about. When his own people heard this, they went out to take custody of for him. They were saying, he has lost his mind. Isaiah 53, he reads, Who has believed our message? And to whom 
has the arm of the Lord been revealed. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. So he suffered everything that we suffer, not just for the sake of suffering it, but by coming through that, knowing not giving in to the suffering and living by the Spirit, that he was able to be that sacrifice, the offering for us, that we might, in our suffering, recognise this is we can be our overcomers by the Spirit, not by the strength of our flesh to grit our teeth and get through it, but rather, as the place that Job found, a place of surrender, I retract and I repent and I call out to you, Lord, that you would make sure, the more sure the prophetic word in me that this life is lived in me. Peter found that out when he broke, when he recognised, when the Lord looked at him in the eye. After, he was ready. I mean, the Lord set him up with it. He was ready. What he thought he could do we're here to establish the kingdom of heaven. I've got my sword and I'll fight for you. All of us is in the flesh. And Jesus was making the point known, it's, this is not the time for that. That time will come. That's why when he spoke up, stood up and said and read out of Isaiah, it says the deaf ears will hear, the eyes will see, sick will be healed, dead will rise up. And then he sat down and said, this word's been fulfilled in your presence. That's, that's not where that scripture ends. There's not a full stop there. It carries on and says, in the day of vengeance of the Lord. That day is to come. So if the day that Jesus spoke was here now, we're still in that day. The rest of the scripture, that's about to come. That's what Peter was looking for then, but he was missing this piece in between where the kingdom of God was to be established within him. So true righteousness, peace and joy, the love of God, was formed in him through his breaking. And he was able to receive when Christ looked at him and he recognised, gulp, this is me. And he went away, retracted and repented so that we too might know and learn from him. So I encourage you, if you are in a hard place, if stuff is going on and the stuff of life is going on in your life, it may be that there's opportunity to move from there to somewhere else. And it's not that we just must stay in this place of crushing. What he's after is for us to turn to him, to cry into him. I prayed a year or more ago and said, Lord, what... What did you have me do? He said, I need you to stay there. Nevertheless, Lord, your will be done. And so when the time is right and the Lord says, it's fine to leave, then it's the time to move on. But we don't move on from leaning into God. It's from that situation. Because if we don't learn how to lean into him, to hear him, to feed, to be a partaker of the gospel that's working within me, the word of the cross, the message of the cross being outworked within me as I'm formed in his nature, 
as new wine is formed in me, if I don't lean into this, all of this comes with me to the next place. And here we go again. So there's deeper layers and deeper understanding. When there's weeping at night, joy comes in the morning like the breath of God with a beautiful verses in the word that brings life. Restores the soul. The spirit is alive in him, but restores the soul of the man. I encourage you, lean in. Don't despise the words that are coming to you. And by so I don't mean that in a in a heavy word. I mean don't don't despise, don't reject, don't turn your ears away from to hear the word that's been spoken to us in the mornings and we listen to again and not quench the very work that he's doing in your life, which is the nature of God formed in you. He loves you. He loves you this much. From before the foundations of the world, he loved you this much, creating you knowing this was waiting him. Because he is love. And the freedom that he's bringing for us all here is to be a people who live free of the entanglement of the world and free to walk in the spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray. I pray the testimony of Jesus is released. Father, I pray that spirits are receiving right now your word, your living word, a messiahship of God, a salvation that has raised us up above and beyond the pressures of the world, that as you say we are, that we walk as the light because we're in you, and to be light that the world so desperately sees, needs to see. Father, I pray that you continue to do your work amongst us, I pray that the, the word is continually at work, whether we're arise or at sleep, but that our hearts are inclined to you because you're so, so beautiful, so loving, and so precious to us. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person that's here, every person that hears this word. I thank you, Lord, that by the fact that they're just listening, that their heart is inclined to turn to you. I pray, Lord, that you continue to do a work this beyond human understanding that brings an eternal weight of glory for us. In Jesus' name, amen.